The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus said to his disciples, Be watchful, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It is like a man traveling abroad. He leaves home and places his servants in charge, each with his own work, and orders the gatekeeper to be on the watch. Watch, therefore. You do not know when the Lord of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight, or at cockcrow or in the morning. May he not come suddenly and find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to all, watch. The Gospel of the Lord. Anytime there's a change in the season, there's a certain level of excitement because monotony gets boring. And when we you know, have to use a different color, change the church looks like, there's an element of, of change and excitement. Some people hate change. Some people are like, if you touch that lamp over there, God forbid, you know. If you touch the doily on the, lamp, on the nightstand like from five years ago, like, watch out. But, but all of life is a change. What's, what's fascinating is because of the liturgical season, it's, it's new and it's not. Like, we're not shocked it's Advent. Maybe we feel shocked it's December. Like, it's, it's December. It's Advent. But, but are we really surprised? Because time is it's a constant movement. And what would be unfortunate, which probably happens for all of us in different capacities, is all of a sudden something just arrives and it's like, oh no, what do I do? So when Jesus tells us today, like, watch, this is a, a lifelong lesson. This is a constant necessity to, to be on our guard, to be alert, to be ready to say, okay, what's next? There's going to be change. This is inevitable. So what am I doing to prepare for this? What am I doing to make myself ready? So on the bulletin, I try to make it as, as helpful as, as possible this week. Um, so on the front cover, there's one side that says, why is Advent important? And it gives you two answers. So I'm not going to preach about that because you can read about it. So that cuts you off like eight minutes. <laughs> On the other side, there's ten, tri- ten tips of how to make a good Advent. I won't talk about it. You can read it. I'll probably save you ten minutes. So what do I have left to talk about? Not much. But I'll find a way to fill the time. But what are we doing to be ready, to be on guard, to be present to the Lord? You know, you think about that first reading from Isaiah, and he he opens everything up, and he's like, we don't even know you. You don't even know us. And that's strange, because in a relationship with the Lord, he, he knows us very intimately. He knows us very deeply. But, but it is a good question of, like, how well do we know him? Thinking about this, too, like, it's not like Jesus is all of a sudden 
like Mary's not all of a sudden pregnant today and going to give birth in 24 days or 25 days, however you want to do the math. No, she's actually been pregnant for months. You know, that's how biology works, okay? And so think about this, right? Joseph and Mary have been in this state of preparation for the birth of Christ for months. Like anytime you find out, you know, you're possibly going to have a child. Like it's not like you become a parent the day that they're born. You become a parent the day they're conceived. You become a parent the moment like you know like there's a life in the womb. But yet we still just are surprised when things occur. So maybe our challenge is, again, how do we enter into the season? Why is it important? Read the bulletin. You'll get your answers. But now it's the, the action. It's the call to say, okay, I'm going to make those things the priority. I'm going to put them into um, my life. I really just want to share a story, though. So um, this book, it's called Pray for Us by Meg Hunter Kilmer, and it talks about 75 saints who sinned, suffered, and struggled on their way to holiness. It's a phenomenal read. I highly encourage all of you to, to get a copy and to, to go through it. That's not in the bulletin, so Meg Hunter Kilmer, pray for us. And, and I've read through this multiple times, and, and different saints, you know, give me different inspirations, but I want to share one today. He's technically labeled as a servant of God. I'm not going to say his name right, but I'm going to do my best. His, his name is Raghid Aziz Ghani. He's from Iraq. He's born in 1972, died in 2007, 35 years old. How old I am? That's exciting. He's a priest. And I say he is a priest because even though he's dead, we believe he's alive in heaven. So Father Raghid Aziz Ghani studied in Rome, was ordained, and he's part of actually a really awesome group of people known as the Chaldean Catholics. Fun fact, the second largest population of Chaldean Catholics outside of the Middle East is in Detroit, Michigan. So, and I'm friends with a few of them. They're awesome. Father John's one of like my good friends. Anyway, sidetrack. Father Rahid goes back, is ordained a priest in a country that despises Christianity, that openly mocks, kills, brutalizes, and disdains all that we hold dear and valuable. He gets really involved with youth. He, he's really you know, passionate, young priest, and he's ultimately martyred for his faith. But this is the section I want to read. For Father Rahid, as for the rest of the Chaldean Catholics, the Eucharist was non-negotiable. We will not stop celebrating Mass, he said, when attending Mass became increasingly dangerous in Mosul. We will do it underground, where we are safer, on another occasion, he spoke from the heart of his people, Muscle Christians are not theologians. Some are even illiterate. And yet, inside of us, for many generations, one truth has become embedded 
Without the Sunday Eucharist, we cannot live. It was in the Eucharist that Father Rahid found the strength to resist and to hope. And it was for the Eucharist that he died. The terrorists had demanded that he close the church. He refused. And so one Sunday, he and three subdeacons, one of them being his cousin, were returning from Mass when they were stopped by a group of armed men. Ordering them out of the car, one of their captors began screaming at Father Rakhid, How many times did we tell you to close the church? How many times did we tell you not to pray in the church? Father Rakhid responded quite simply, How can I close the house of God? It was too much. The armed men demanded that the group of Catholics convert to Islam So when they refused, the terrorists killed the four Christian men. What wasn't noted, I didn't read this part, was that weeks earlier, the church had been bombed on a Saturday night. And Father Rahid had this great concern that the people would be too afraid to go to Mass. The next morning, the Sunday morning Mass, 500 people came to participate in the divine liturgy. Why do I say that to a group of mostly Anglo-Americans in Wabash, Indiana? Brothers and sisters, we're not being bombed. We're not being threatened with our lives. And if the most we have to sacrifice is our dinner reservation or the game— then we need to really consider our participation in the Sunday liturgy, particularly in the Advent season. Christ will be born. He will come, and he will enter into our lives. He will come again, in fact. That's the part we don't know about. That's the part we're being asked to watch and to wait and to be prepared for. Will the Eucharist become the most important things that nourish us or the things of the outside world? This is a choice that we must all make. And as I had preached about last Sunday, God's never going to take away our free will. Do we have to go to Mass? No. But we don't have to go to heaven. If we want to allow Jesus to be the true source and summit of everything, then the Eucharist is our source and summit. Nothing else matters. And everything else can wait for him. So will you come with me on this Advent journey and prepare for his coming into the world and into our lives? Will we allow our lives to be transformed and changed by a small infant, one who's already here, in fact. And can we look to inspirations like Father Rakhid and and many others who, in a supernatural, extraordinary way, gave their lives because of a truth, the truth, Jesus? How do we honor our brothers and our sisters throughout the world who are persecuted who are killed, and who are unable to have the freedom and the peace to
to enter into Mass the way that we do, the privileged Mass that we have. So I challenge us to begin our new liturgical year with hearts excited, hearts anticipating, and hearts that are open. Because God wants to give us the greatest gift he can possibly give us, his Son, who becomes our Savior, and who then gives us himself in the Eucharist.